0: Hello and welcome to the Learn About ME podcast series. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm your host, Ruth Richardson, and I work for Action for ME, a national charity supporting people of all ages with ME. Today's episode topic is Learn About ME and GP Prescribing, the latest in our series of podcasts. All of our podcasts are available on Buzzsprout and Spotify, and we are funded by the Scottish Government to deliver a medical education project. This project aims to increase the confidence of health and social care professionals in diagnosing and supporting patients with the health condition myalgic encephalomyelitis known as ME or MECFS. Alongside delivering a series of podcasts, we are encouraging medical and social care professionals to complete an online module worth one CPD point to enhance their knowledge of ME. You can find out more and complete the module by visiting the Action for ME website. ME is a long-term, fluctuating neurological condition, affecting an estimated 21,000 adults and children in Scotland. For many people with ME, their GP is the focus of their healthcare, as there may not be a specialist service or consultant they can access. The nature of ME means that people will experience different symptoms and have different levels of severity. Presently, there is no cure for ME, so a key strategy is managing the symptoms that present for each person. In this podcast, we'll hear from a GP about what needs to be considered when prescribing for ME. And as mentioned, there's a free CPD module on ME that will improve any GP or clinician's knowledge and understanding of this condition. So please access this if you would like further information on this topic. This podcast does not offer any medical advice, so please contact your health professional if you need clinical advice. And if you need any support to discuss your ME with a GP, then there are also resources on the Action for ME website that can help with this. I'm joined today by Dr Aileen bilsden mcgrain a GP, and Kirsty Mitchell, a patient with ME. So Aileen, thank you so much for joining today. Can you please tell us what do GPs need to consider when prescribing to manage the symptoms of ME?
1: So I guess GPs need to consider quite a holistic management of a condition like this. Medication has a role, but actually the management plan is going to be much wider than that. Looking at how people are managing pacing themselves and managing their energy levels. They will be looking at how to support them living with a chronic illness and how that's going to have an impact on their life, their families, their finances, and Medication doesn't have a role of being able to fix this illness. It's not something that we can prescribe you a medication that is going to take this away. But what we can do with medication is look at helping to manage some of the symptoms. One of the most important things that I find is actually taking time to investigate each patient's particular range of symptoms to try and work out which management options we have in terms of of medication. I think that's one of the things that is a bit tricky talking about medication today because it's going to be very different for every patient depending on their particular problems and issues.
0: Thank you and recognising those differences. what are the different types of medication you may commonly prescribe for people with ME?
1: The way I was thinking about this was thinking about the different kinds of presentations that we might get with ME. So one of the things the the guidelines do encourage us to have a look at is whether there's any kind of orthostatic intolerance that comes along kind of with symptoms. So if people are having difficulties going from lying to standing, perhaps feeling dizzy, it may be increasing their fatigue, It may be giving them palpitations, and that might be a sign that somebody's experiencing something called POTS, which is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. And we've seen a lot more of that post-COVID. And so I think people are starting to become a bit more aware of this condition. And actually there are medications that we can use that are gonna help to to actually regulate the, the heart rate so that we're not getting this big swing that you get from lying down to then standing and getting kind of, even just standing up is actually gonna change somebody's heart rate upwards of 30 beats per minute. So that tends to make people feel pretty rubbish and actually even small amounts of exercise like walking up the stairs is actually really quite tricky for these patients and we've got medications like propranolol which is a beta blocker but we also use propranolol in conditions with anxiety that have a very kind of physical manifestation like having palpitations so in this condition with pots it can be really useful to try and help slow the heart rate down and actually get the body back into regulation and that's one that a medication that GPs are really very familiar with from from other conditions and so should be quite confident to use we would also potentially be looking at medications that are going to help with some of the kind of symptoms around allergy that can come along with chronic fatigue conditions. So when you're looking at people that have got perhaps skin problems, a lot of gut problems, describing intolerances with foods, kind of setting off some of their symptoms. And that tends to to be helped by antihistamines, which again quite normal medications that GPs are used to prescribing, and so things that I would expect GPs to have some confidence with. You can also look at using mast cell stabilisers, which are things that we quite often prescribe, Montelukast for asthma, for example. So these are medications that there's there's familiarity with. What you're going to find is these conditions might not be things that GPs are necessarily all that familiar with, I think we're starting to get more and more information about these and starting to see that when we refer on to specialists looking at some of these conditions, the specialists often do send these patients back to us confirming that actually there's not a more serious condition underlying it with their symptoms. And as GPs, because these conditions affect multiple systems in the body, actually we're often the best people to manage these conditions. Uh, But they are things that actually can feel quite complex in general practice. And so they're ones that I think it's really important for us to, to start to learn more about and start to understand these kind of patterns of presentations that we might be seeing.
0: We hear regularly when we survey health professionals that ME is one of the most challenging conditions to support a patient to manage and what sort of challenges have you encountered when prescribing to patients with ME?
1: I would absolutely agree that it is a very challenging condition and I think that the level at which the patients can be limited in terms of function is really quite shocking they often have quite a lot of frustration with the healthcare system, which is understandable because the short time of GP appointments isn't enough to really get to the root of all of the problems that they have. I worked for a while in the chronic fatigue service at the Intricative Care Centre in Glasgow, and it was lovely to have more time with these patients to really kind of get into everything that was happening to them, time to explore their symptoms and and the opportunity for them to be heard which is really important. Unfortunately when you're referring a patient on to specialist services the wait for that can be months and patients will have a hope that they'll get to that appointment and there will be something that is going to to then make them feel better and often they would be seen and reassured that there wasn't something more concerning going on, but actually not necessarily something's going to happen, which is going to help. And for the patient, that's what they're looking for. They're looking to find out how they can feel better, how they can function better. It's actually not that reassuring for them to, to be told, well, you don't have multiple sclerosis or you don't have cancer or the things that that people worry about but for patients they actually almost would rather that there was something that was treatable and that they they know that that they could do something with so I think the the medical model that we have where patients hope to come in and the doctor to have something that we could give them that is going to fix them is actually quite frustrating for patients. And and I'm quite upfront that I don't have a magic pill that I can give patients with this condition. That's not what's going to help them to move forward, but finding a way to work with them and guide them through things that we might be able to work on to be able to help improve their quality of life and the symptoms that they're experiencing but we often have to have quite a lot of patience because when we are prescribing, we've really got to be thoughtful about how we do that. There's often a lot of side effects with medication that we're giving because these patients are so reactive. And so they seem much more likely to experience side effects, not be able to tolerate certain medications. So it's really important to to think about starting at a really low dose and going slowly with any kind of titration of, of increasing the, the medication that we give. I think it's made me quite interested in the, the low-dose naltrexone that we're starting to, to hear about in, in some of the studies, and I've heard about that in some of the long COVID conferences, that actually it is a very low dose of medication. And I can see with these patients that actually there may be a role for for medication like that because of the the problems that I've seen over the years in terms of there's lots of options that we can try, lots of things that we can, can look at, but actually does that patient manage to tolerate it? Is it actually going to be beneficial to them or actually the side effects going to be more harmful unfortunately.
0: Aileen how often would you say that medication prescribed for symptoms of ME should be reviewed?
1: So I guess with medication reviews it's often happening kind of in the background. Every time somebody signs a prescription, they are reviewing your medication and deciding, is it appropriate for somebody to continue to take that? But that doesn't always involve an interaction with the patient. I think as a minimum, actually kind of patients should be reviewed and medication looked at at least once a year for adults. It, it would be once every six months for, for children. but. I would see that as a minimum and that other reviews are going to be looked at depending on individual patients and what their needs are so i would say I'd, i'd find it surprising that patients with a condition like this would only be seen once a year um, I would I would be probably checking in quite regularly with these patients and expecting them to come and actually kind of seek advice on a regular basis about their symptoms. I think what happens sometimes with patients is they get to a point where they almost kind of give up and kind of think, well, what am I going to get from going to see the doctor? Is there anything else that I can try? So I would be wanting to empower patients to come and let me know when there was a problem, when perhaps their medication wasn't working as well as they were hoping it to, so that we can look at the the dose of medication they're on and, and look at whether that's something that we can continue to work with. And I think particularly the way general practice works these days it's the patient coming which is going to prompt a review rather than us inviting patients the way we would do perhaps for an outpatient appointment at the hospital. So I think it's important that patients take ownership for that and continue to engage and continue to let people know how they are and, and what they need. And what
0: do you think more GPs should know about when they're thinking of prescribing for this type of long-term health condition?
1: GPs know that holistic care is really important. It can be really challenging to deliver that within a, a GP consultation that's limited to to 10 or 15 minutes and they might, you know, opt to put some of these patients perhaps at the end of their clinic list or if they can give a double appointment to try and deal with more things together if they can. But I suppose the importance of seeing this as as a whole body condition, which is encompassing somebody's mental health as well as their physical health, I think is really important because you're going to have people who, you may refer them on to see a cardiologist about their palpitations say, but actually you could equally look at a neurologist for, for similar, symptoms because of the the regulation issue and so it really i think does come back to us as GPs to be managing these and understanding the links between the different systems in the body and how they present with symptoms in in ME and chronic fatigue i've worked on the disability tribunals for a number of years and quite often see patients with ME and chronic fatigue because these are conditions that are not well understood and fitting into the the criteria for, for some of the disability benefits. And so GPs, we think about prescribing as just medication, but actually the social prescribing element of what we have of being able to link people in with the services that are going to be useful to them, to to link them in with the, the lifestyle practices that might actually be of use. Is, is actually going to be really important to our patients. And so understanding how we might be able to support them, I think, is is one of the things that I think is really useful to us as GPs. And we've talked about the
0: importance of establishing a relationship to, of trust between GPs and patients and how beneficial that can be to care. So Given that there may be a mistrust or a sort of lack of trust between the patient and the GP for various reasons, what would you say to someone who might be worried about taking medication to help with their ME symptoms?
1: Probably I would start with finding out what it is they're worried about. I think the, the conversation to explore their concerns and what their expectations are of medication as well is really important. I do like to have that conversation about not expecting a a magic pill to set realistic expectations of what we can achieve. In medical practice, we often think patients are happy when they've got a a prescription that they're taking out of the door. But actually, in reality, a lot of patients don't actually use that prescription. And so one of the things to, to think about, rather than than thinking that we've achieved something by finding medication, actually understanding that that trusting relationship takes time. And actually, it may just be listening to that patient's concerns, allowing them to be heard, allowing them perhaps, to go away and research a bit more about particular medications, giving them some information about them, some patient resources, asking them to come back and discuss it some more, decide, you know, when the right time is for a medication. I generally try and not prescribe at a time where there's lots of other things going on. So at times of stress or big events, you know, you wouldn't want to start something just before Christmas or when somebody's got an important birthday coming up, but actually choosing a time that's right for them as well is is really important. And so often you find out that they've got other things like that that they're a bit worried about and you can negotiate the better time to start something or giving advice about what dose to start at or these are the kind of things that patients tend to come up with when when you're discussing their concerns there's not a right and wrong answer as to what comes first and and when medication is right within their journey and so for me. I tend to look at medication as almost the icing on the cake rather than as the foundation of of things. I actually would probably rather spend time with patients discussing their understanding of how they're managing their energy and avoiding getting into those booms and busts of of things because they're really not going to find any stability or any ability to increase what they're doing which is what everybody wants normally I have to start with trying to help them understand how to do less to start off with and actually accept some of the limitations that they're being they're being faced with one of the things that I sometimes discuss with patients is most people have heard of the placebo effect so the, the idea that you're taking a medication that doesn't actually have anything in it, but you might get a benefit from it anyway. There's also the kind of the contrary experience of the nocebo effect. So if you're taking a medication that you think isn't going to work for you, actually it's more likely to not work for you. You're more likely to experience side effects. So. I don't want patients to take medication unless they genuinely believe that it's something that might be useful to them. If they're in doubt about something, I would tend not to prescribe because actually in that situation, I think it may do more harm than good.
0: Thank you, Aileen. It's been great to have you on the show today. It's clear what a holistic and person-centred approach you're taking to working with patients and really pleased to hear that you also found the module useful. So a reminder to anyone that would like to access it, it's on the Action for ME website. Well, I'm now really pleased to be joined by Kirsty Mitchell. Kirsty, thank you for joining. Have you ever been prescribed any medication to help manage your symptoms of ME?
2: Well, the short answer is no, I haven't. I've never been prescribed, I've never even been offered any. That said, I was offered support in that I was posted to the ASEAN's Ainsley in Edinburgh, but that didn't involve medication.
0: And would it have made a difference to you if you've been offered the option of medication?
2: I think it may have done, like, it, on uh, different levels really. I think it would have given me maybe a bit more... Belief in that I was being supported by the medical professionals. I wouldn't necessarily have taken everything that was on offer, but it would have been a comfort, I think, to know that there are things out there and I could have investigated and read into things a little bit more and kind of made an informed decision about how I treated my own health. And do you think you may
0: have had any concerns or hesitations about taking
2: medication to manage
0: your ME symptoms?
2: So, you know, closer to nine years ago when I was first diagnosed, Possibly not, because you just want to get better. Nine years on, if there was something available, I would be really keen to try. But I would be hesitant. I would ask an awful lot of questions. I'd want to take my time to make the decision and just understand the full impact. And also kind of what the exit plan is of taking that medication. If you suddenly stop it... How quickly is it out of your system? When will you see those changes, positive or negative? And I guess the other thing is you never want to do something that's going to inhibit your energy levels. So it's about understanding how something will work for you.
0: And given you've not been offered any medication or had that discussed with you, how else has your GP been able to advise you on how to manage your ME?
2: I feel really awful saying this because I think collectively, we all say, you know, we we think the NHS and the people who work within it are absolutely amazing. But I I just don't feel that they have been able to. I'm guessing it's because they need more support in understanding what ME is. When I was first diagnosed, the diagnosis itself took over six months and it was a, a young junior doctor who diagnosed me. So I think she was more up to speed with what Emmy may or may not have been at that point in time, and I'm just wondering if there's a bit of a gap. You often hear that once somebody's graduated in any discipline, they kind of forget what they they've learned, but then they don't really start learning until they start doing a job in that profession. And I'm wondering if it's it's exactly the same in medicine. And
0: sadly, we do know that ME is sometimes taught very briefly or occasionally not taught at all. That's the whole purpose of this project is to try and increase the knowledge and understanding around it. And do you think your current GP understands how living with ME affects your quality of life and ability to live well?
2: No, I have not minced my words there, have I? I think they need more support to help understand what ME is and what it's about. And that, you know, even within our own community, you asked a quarter of a million people how it affects them and you'll get a quarter of a million different answers. There will be some commonalities. So I absolutely appreciate for the profession as a whole. It is very difficult. But if there's one thing I, I would wish is that when I do go along to the doctor's surgery and I have an appointment and I mention that I have ME, maybe they could just probe a little bit more just open-ended questions sometimes i think you just need time to open up to discuss things a bit more that would be my one wish to be perfectly honest and is there anything else you'd like gps to
0: consider whilst they're caring for patients with me
2: i guess it's not necessarily about gps i think it's about the wider health service so i'm based in scotland so I'm aware that there's only one clinical nurse specialist and I'm assuming that they are purely dedicated to patients with ME, but we need more of them. It's as simple as that. We need more medical professionals who are specialising in this area and not necessarily long COVID related. There's still some discrepancies. There's still lots of things that need to be researched into the two different areas. So we definitely need medical health professionals who are dedicated to people with ME. I think doctors need to think more broadly. They need to think more broadly and get to the core of the challenges somebody with ME is facing and ask themselves what services are already available in the local area and what would suit their patient and have a real benefit to them. Well, thank you all for
0: joining today i'm ruth richardson and this has been the learn about me and gp prescribing podcast i'd like to thank our project partners me action scotland the me association and the 25 Percent me group for their support in creating the podcast for this project and also all of our listeners for taking the time to listen today this podcast was produced by zoe anderson you can find out more about the work of our partners me action scotland are on twitter or visit meaction.net You can go to the meassociation.org.uk and also the 25megroup.org to find out about their work. And for accessing the module, other podcasts or anything we've mentioned today, you can go to actionforme.org.uk or follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Action for ME. Thanks for listening. Please like and share this podcast and rate it on your favourite podcast app. And please do
2: tune in next time.